Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Generosity is a local social impact events and news group, and they just recently talked with Pam McGonigal. Pam is visually impaired. She is the new director of development and communications for the Overbrook School for the Blind in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Pam is also a world-class para-athlete. Pam joins us to talk about how she spoke out to overcome obstacles and earn these two titles. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Great having you here, too. Let's first learn about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a track and field athlete, uh, which is what I participate in at the Paralympic level. I am married and have an 18-year-old son who is also visually impaired. And I have a guide dog, Meta. I live um, outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in a town called Ardmore. Tell us more about Maida. I hear she is a cute guide dog. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Maida is uh, six and a half. She is a German Shepherd from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. She is the third dog in the world to be formally trained as a running guide dog. We were matched um, four and a half years ago, and um, she does phenomenal day work as well as runs with me. Fabulous. We're going to talk about your, you running later, but you work for the Overbrook School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What is the Overbrook School for the Blind? The Overbrook School for the Blind is an educational institution that provides programming for individuals who are blind and visually impaired, and uh, some have additional challenges. We serve students and families from birth to 21. Um, We have an early intervention program, which serves uh, birth to three-year-olds. We have an an early childhood program, which is for preschoolers. We have an elementary program, a middle school, a secondary program, school to life, and a transition program, as well as an international program. So we really cover uh, pretty much the breadth of services for the visually impaired and blind uh, youth and young adults. Those are a lot of services, very broad indeed. We're going to talk more about your role as the school's director of development and communications a little bit later in the show. But we want to know first how you overcame obstacles. One of those first obstacles was when you were back in the sixth grade. How did you figure out you were going to participate in a required track and field event just just as a visually impaired person? Yeah. Well, fortunately for me, it was a requirement um, because that really gave me no exit, at least in my mind. And I figured I would uh, check out the various events available and and pick what I was most suited for. I was very small, so it wasn't likely that throwing uh, the shot putter discus would be successful for me. I was not particularly fast, uh, so I knew sprinting wasn't really an option, which left, left me with the 800 meters, which was the longest event offered at the track meet. I signed up and I don't know why, but something inside me told me that I need to take it very seriously. And I set the goal of winning that race. Just go for it. And you did. You picked that longest race of the event and you came up with that whole crazy idea that you were going to win. And you won that race. 
Did just that one winning race start your love for running through your college years? Absolutely. It showed me that I had some natural uh, athletic ability in, in running as a, as a middle distance runner. And um, it really was a, a key moment for me, not just athletically, but personally, because it showed me that if I set a goal and I worked towards that goal, um, that I could be successful. And, and that was a lesson that I, I learned and have brought with me throughout my entire life and continue to remind myself of it when I need to. And keep that success going. As your vision decreased over the, over the years, though, you had some accidents. What were these accidents? So in, in college, I was involved with the cross-country and track team, and college athletics are very competitive, and uh, everyone wants to make the team, and there is usually a large pool of athletes vying for you know a small number of, of places. Um, so I was as well as my teammates, and my visual acuity was decreasing at the time, and I started to have more challenges running, um, just tripping over things, running into things, um, and whatnot, and I eventually, you know, at one point uh, was out for a distance run and there was a, a pipe sticking up out of the ground and it was uncapped and I fell and uh, hit my eye on it. My eye was swollen shut for a couple of days. So I was very fortunate to have not had a serious injury, but, uh, you know, very close to having a, a catastrophic eye injury at the same time. And so at that point, I realized that my competitive days were likely over. Um, because I just did not have the acuity to uh, run independently from a visual, yeah, just from a visual acuity standpoint. But, but even though you thought that those, those, those were going to be your last days of running, it actually wasn't. Why? Well, I was a health and physical education major at Sub-Rock University. It was my senior year. I was uh, securing some practicum hours, which were required for graduation. So uh, one of my friends and I were um, working a clinic that was for people with disabilities that involved sports and recreational activities. At that event, one of the coaches who came in um, to conduct the clinic noticed that I was visually impaired and uh, approached me uh, to ask me if that was indeed the case. When I explained to him that, yes, it, it was the case that I was legally blind, he asked me if I had ever heard of the Paralympic Games, and I had not. Uh, so at that point, I learned about the Paralympic Games and learned about the concept of utilizing a guide runner uh, so the person could act as my eyes. And that basically that uh, brought my running career back to life. So you, you were introduced to the Paralympics and you ran with this guide and you competed in the Paralympics and you won four medals and five world championships. How did you feel about all that? Well, it was awesome to know that I had the opportunity to run again and to experience running with a guide for the first time at 22 years old was phenomenal because what I saw was a significant improvement in my performance level because, you know, I, I no longer had the, the poor vision as, as a barrier that was, you know, hindering me from being able to compete at, at the highest level. So it was obviously... Uh, invigorating and I was very grateful and, and thankful to have encountered that individual and uh, learned about the Paralympic Games. That is fabulous. So because over time it started to become more difficult for you to pair up with a guide who would match your level of performance, because of that you decided to take a break 
and you began working at the Overbrook School for the Blind, where you are now. The school got you your first full-time job. What did you do at Overbrook? So um, I actually worked as a substitute um, teacher, a long-term substitute teacher, and that was my first full-time job out of college, out of graduate school. And uh, after that, there was a position that became available through the international program when it was based on campus in Philadelphia as a program specialist. So I oversaw the um, all the hours out of the classroom um, for our international students. We roughly had 20 students a year who came in from all over the world, and I developed programming for them around leadership and service and you know, sports and recreation. And so I had that job, and during that job, I was introduced to the development director at Overbrook, where I started to learn more um, about the field. And at that same time, the international program at Overbrook was winding down and would be going international. So I um, decided that it was time for me to pursue my fundraising uh, career, and, and I left Overbrook to do exactly that. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Tell us about what you've done in this career now as development director. What, what are some of your accomplishments? So um, over the course of time, I have worked with different organizations, both those that serve people with disabilities and visual impairment and blindness, as well as mainstream organizations. Um, I've primarily been known for uh, developing and building uh, development programs at medium-sized nonprofit organizations. Um, I'd say my area of specialty is relationship building and uh, uh, growing awareness of the, of the mission of the organization. One of the things that you developed and started was the school's gala, the virtual gala to be specific. Thanks to you, the revenue that your school learned this year it was much higher than last year's gala in person. Tell us about the gala. So uh, the gala is, is an annual event, and this year, due to the pandemic, we were forced to convert to a virtual format. And I am very fortunate to have a phenomenal team um, that works with me in both communications and development. And together, we were able to uh, develop a plan to move forward in hosting our, our gala in a virtual format. It was uh, partially ahead of time and uh, also live, so it was sort of a hybrid format. And um, you know, together, the, the team was able to present a phenomenal event that uh, obviously inspired our donors, and uh, they were generous enough to um, support us in a way that, that ended up being very meaningful for the school and um, generating uh, notable donations in order for us to, to put back into our mission. Now, at this gala, did you auction off baskets, like special baskets made by each class? Because I went to a Montessori school in my town. I was there from kindergarten through eighth grade, and we had spring galas where each class would create a basket to auction off at the auction to the highest bidder. And then they would pay that much money to help raise money for the school. That's a, that's fun. That's a great idea. Um, that's a good that's a good approach, actually. I think that may have just given me an idea for a future future uh, auction as part of an upcoming event, perhaps. We actually had a actual program where we shared the mission and some of our successes with the organization with with the those who were in attendance. 
We also had an art sale. So we had some beautiful student artwork, some ceramics, some paintings, um, a variety of different things that were available for purchase for the fundraiser. We also had a spirit wear sale during the event to, to generate dollars for, for our work. And we had an auction. And so we had a variety of auction items and it was pretty cool because it was virtual. And so we had the auction available over the course of a week. We had a variety of items. Um, we were fortunate to have a, a team on campus, of teachers and other staff members that pulled together and created baskets and various themes. And then they were auctioned off. So we had a real variety of, of opportunities along, um, you know, different, different auction items for people to bid on. So that was really successful as well. And then we also asked for general donations and had sponsorships. So we, we kind of did a, a diverse approach um, to generating the dollars and very much was a success. But how did your gala work? Was it similar to um, the one I just described to you? Or a little different. It, it was a little different. So we um, we had an op- opening remarks from our our CEO Todd Reeves, and then we had um, some words from our board chair Marjorie Stein, and then we had a tour um, through utilizing a drone, um, which was really very exciting. Um, we then had a live MC who had the opportunity to speak to three different individuals who have received services from the school the last five years, what has impacted them. And we had another uh, video which was shown and it gave an overview of different snapshots of the impact that our work has on students um, throughout the different programs that we have on campus. And then we had a musical within Overbrook School for the Blind Choir. And then we had a closing video. So it was, it was really a, um, a diverse list of activities throughout the course of the evening. Pretty much had the same types of experiences that you would have if you were at a live event, although it was all virtual through the internet. Maybe next year it'll be in person. Our hope is that that indeed will be the case. All right. So when you got the job as director of development and communications, did you have to go through an interview, a couple of interviews? I heard it was a grueling process. <laughs> so it was a, it was a very intense um, process. I had a number of Zoom interviews um, with different individuals, uh, you know, our human resources director, our CEO, um, everyone on the administrative team. I had an interview session with uh, the group of individuals who would become my team and um, a number of different board members. And I've obviously done interviews in the past throughout the course of my career, but I had never done a Zoom interview. And I have to admit that as a person with a visual impairment, um, the first time I did the Zoom interview, it was somewhat challenging um, because I, I, you know, obviously could not see the people on the screen. And it's a little bit harder to get a sense of um, just sort of the feel of, of everything. Um, but I just kind of, you know, I kept my focus. And, um, you know, obviously the, the mission of the, the school is something that is near and dear to my heart. And so I just kind of stayed true to my passion and, and my beliefs and my desire to be able to work 
um, in an organization that provides services to youth who are blind and visually impaired and their families, because I know the importance of those early years and, and the difference that it can make in our lives. And so I just kept focused on, on that and I um, probably tapped into my uh, endurance runner career <laughs> by, by making it through the, the lengthy interview process. So it was very thorough and it was challenging, um, but I, I held my confidence throughout the course of the, the process. Let's talk a bit more about your running. Tell me more about the guide dog you currently have and how this dog inspired you to just start running again. Yeah, so after the 2004 Paralympic Games and and the challenges that I had encountered finding guide runners to train and race with just um, because of the level and the volume with which I, I was training throughout my competitive career, which lasted from 1991 through 2004, um, I just it just became too challenging to, to coordinate all those guides while, you know, having a family and, and, you know, being full time, having full-time employment. So I just figured, you know, I've had a really rewarding and uh, lengthy career as a runner. And I just figured that, you know, the time had come for me to, to hang up, hang up my shoes and, and go on to the next part of my life. And so when I found out about the running guide dog program at Guiding Eyes, I, I was very excited, um, yet I was also guarded because I didn't really know what to expect. And so um, when they asked me if I running, wanted a running guide dog, I said, well, I want a dog that will be a good match for me so that we can be successful because first and foremost, I need my guide dog to be able to get me to work every day. And um, so that's what, that's what we focused on. And, and I was matched with Maida. It was very high energy and absolutely positively loves to run. And for the first couple of months, we just worked on our, you know, typical relationship that you have to work on when you're matched with a guide dog. And uh, about two and a half months after our match, um, I started working closely with the trainers at Guiding Eyes to learn how to run with Maida. And um, it was incredible. Um, two of the trainers came down to my house. We took Maida out. I had a running guide dog harness, which was different than the day, the regular day harness, day work harness. And we put that harness on and we ran. And I was very quiet throughout the duration of that run because I, I just had tears running down my eyes because I realized that running would become a part of my life again. And she and I were so in sync and I was so nervous about whether I would be able to do things the right way and running with her and would she and I connect and, you know, what pace would we be running at? And, and we just synced so quickly and we're so natural. And that relationship really grew over the course of a year. Um, the, the level with which we started training and racing and exploring trails while running um, was truly a blessing. And I, I still pinch myself when she and I just go out for a run whenever we want during the day. I don't have to wait to go with someone. I don't have to coordinate going with someone. I simply say, let's go Maida. And she comes running over and she knows when I have my running gear on and she gets so excited. And um, it's just incredible. It's a feeling 
the feeling of independence that comes with that is remarkable and something can't really capture with words. Um, but it's very powerful and I'm very grateful for the program. And uh, an added bonus is Overbrook is about uh, five miles from my house. And so Maiden and I often get up in the morning and run to work, <laughs> which is like, and it's just like, I have to pinch myself to think, to, to make sure it's all real. Even after four years of running together with her, um, I can't believe it. I can't believe it happens. I can't believe it's real. And so it's, it's incredible. It certainly is real. And it gets you, gives you and her some good physical exercise. It does. Great. How might our listeners learn more about the Overbrook School for the Blind? So we have a couple of different social media opportunities that they can follow on Facebook. You can search Overbrook School for the Blind. And we also have an Instagram account. And our website, of course, is www.obs.org. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, um, thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope that some of you will visit the Overbrook School for the Blind website. We have some awesome programs and um, it's really an honor to be here with you today. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome, Pam. And you inspire us to overcome our own obstacles and persevere to accomplish those important goals in life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutforthablind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakoutatacbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? <coughs> then join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics, providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. The show airs on Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream East and 8 p.m. Pacific on ACB Radio Mainstream West. You can access the show archive at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-blind. 
And if you have any feedback about the show, you may contact me at speakout at acbradio.org. Happy listening! The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the monthly monetary support program, MMS. It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter. Or call 612-332-3242. You're listening to ACB Radio Mainstream. Learn more about us at our website, www.acbradio.org.